0: And you? How you doing? I'm trying to figure out my bottle of water here. I'm going to keep it right there. Hey, we've uh, we just started a brand new series uh, with Pastor Phil being out called Jesus is. If you were here last week, uh, Pastor Tommy uh, brought it up. Jesus is curious. Jesus is curious, and so I get to bring our next installment of this. It's a really, it's a such an exciting time. I, I love these type of discussions because with we were talking about Jesus. We, I guess we could do that like, wait, every Sunday, right? We could talk about a different aspect of who Jesus is. And so today I wanna bring your attention to uh, the book of Luke. <laughs> Guys, come on now. <laughs> I, did not, I did not do this for my own vanity. <laughs> but, all right, Luke, Luke 17, Luke 17. It says this, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. A couple of years ago, me and my dad uh, made a, what I'm going to call a pilgrimage out to Los Angeles uh, to see the Dodgers play. If you know me, I'm a, I'm a really, really big uh, Dodgers fan. Um, and so we went out there for a couple of days and had a ton of fun. Uh, of course, we won because we're the best team in baseball. No offense to anyone else. Um, and, um, and so we went out there. And so when you're in LA, there's this, um, there's just kind of this hub where you've got trains that come in you have buses that come in i mean from like san diego all around the city and they come to this one place and then you can board a bus and then ride free to uh to dodger stadium and so that's what we did we we uh went there and uh we stood in line and it was crazy i mean there's like uh, it's a ton of people it's a free ride you know what i'm saying in and, and dodger stadium it's crazy parking and so for people that this is the easiest way to get there. And so we, so we were, we're standing in line and there's tons and tons of people around us. And so we're just waiting and we're chatting it up and we're talking. And, um, I noticed just, I noticed it and made a note of it. I was just like, like no one was talking around us. And it was like, got real quiet around us. Like, like there's like, I mean, tons of people and they're real, real quiet. And I'm like, this is this is weird. Why is everyone real quiet? So me and my dad just kept kept chatting and kept talking. And then there's this older gentleman that was standing right in front of us. And he just like, he like whips around. He goes, Are you guys from Alabama? And I said, <laughs> And I was like, uh yeah, yeah that's yes, we are. <laughs> and I everything, mean, yeah, we are. And he was like, I knew it. I knew it. I heard it. I heard it in. I heard it in your accent. And I said, "How did you know we we're from Alabama?" And he goes, "My son just got married to a girl from Alabama, and I just got back from their um, from their wedding." I was like, "Oh, congratulations!" He goes, "Yeah, she talks just like y'all." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." We're prepared. and I noticed his shirt. He had a Gulf Shores, Alabama shirt, and and with his Dodgers hat on or whatever. I was like, "Yeah, that's so crazy. We are we are from Alabama." It was we me and my dad like we didn't, besides how we were talking, we didn't really like stand out like in like, like a sore thumb or anything. Like we had our Dodgers jerseys on, we had our hat on, like we were ready to go to the game. Like we looked like pretty much everyone around us, except, <laughs> except this accent that I just cannot, that we just can't shake. We just, I just can't shake. So this gentleman, he recognizes something about us that is very integral to, who I am. I I can't, I can't, I can't, I guess I could try to talk different. I know I could, if I really, really worked at it, I guess I could lose the accent, but I just, man, I'm just, I'm from Alabama and you know it. People know it. I'm in the middle of LA and people are going to know where I'm from. So you have these like 10 lepers here in this story of Luke and they're, look, having leprosy was just, it was a death sentence. You're, you were sick. You were away. It wasn't just uh, a death physically. It was a death relationally. Like you were, you were just, your family disowned you. You were, your city disowned you. You were out on the outskirts of town, away from everything, away from all the resources. And there's a reason why 10 of these guys or girls, I don't know, it doesn't say, it just says they were 10 lepers. 10 of these lepers were together because that was all they had. They had each other and that was it. And so everything is dead. Their body is decaying, it is dying, the relationships are dead, and they see Jesus and they recognize something in him. And what do they ask him? Have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. I imagine Jesus' reputation probably preceded him. They probably knew. You know, they wouldn't have said, you know, they called what do they call him? They called him Jesus master. It's a very specific kind of language. They knew that there was something about him and they called out to that something about him. And what did they request? Mercy. Have mercy. Today in our Jesus is series, I'm bringing to you Jesus is mercy. Not merciful, mercy. I don't want us to think of this, I don't want us to enter into this discussion thinking of it in our own terms. Because when we look at Jesus and we call him, we just, we say he's, he's merciful, which is true. But it's, it's based upon our own understanding of, of what mercy is. And the thing about Jesus is, Jesus is divine revelation. And if Jesus If part of him is mercy, then he is revealing what mercy is actually supposed to be. Not our own interpretation of it, the divine revelation of what mercy is. So Jesus is not merciful this morning. Jesus is mercy. Jesus is mercy. And we know that Jesus is mercy. And what the lepers knew about Jesus was that Jesus was the revelation. He's revealing who God is. He's revealing who the Father is. In John 14, 8 through 9, there's this, um, there's this big, this chapter has all these interactions with Jesus and his disciples. And one of them, Philip said, uh, Lord, show us, show us the Father and it's enough. Like they've like, lived with Jesus and they've seen Jesus do all these miracles. And what did he say? They're like, just show us the Father. Show us who God is and I'll be good. I'm good. And Jesus replies, have I, been not, have I not been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Philip. Look me in the eyes, it's me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Whoever's seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is the revelation of who God is. And so whatever Jesus reveals, that is who God is. Mercy is in Jesus's nature. If you're taking notes today, mercy is in Jesus's nature because it is in the nature of God. Over in Ephesians, Paul writes about this. In two, he actually talks about two different types of nature. He talks about human nature and he talks about God's nature. Paul does this. Paul's I love I love reading the writings of Paul because Paul writes in a, in such a way to help us. Like he builds on these ideas. So he starts off with two with this idea: humanity, you are horrible. You're a mess. In fact, what does he say? In fact, in uh, verse three, he says, by nature, by your very nature, you are children of wrath. So he's looking back, he's trying to, he's trying to explain to the, to the church at Ephesus. He's like, look, by your very nature, who you are as a human, you bring wrath, you bring destruction, you are sinful. Nothing that you produce on your own is really any good. You have brought death into this world. But he doesn't leave it there. That sounds really harsh. Because it is harsh. But this is what he says. He follows up with this in verse 4. He says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By your very nature, your nature, you have messed up. You have brought wrath and death in destruction but God has an answer. What's the very first thing he says there? What is God rich in what? Mercy. The Greek word that he uses there is, is plousios which means like like rich, wealthy. Like when you're talking like in the gospel they're talking about people, like the rich young ruler. That's plousios. He's he's wealthy, he's rich. When you're riding down 38 and you see those houses you know you can't afford, those people are probably rich or <laughs> in a lot of debt. You know, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Who am I to judge, you know? But they're rich. They got a lot of money. They got a lot of money. And they, for, for what Paul is saying here is that God, the Father, is rich in mercy. And this word isn't just bounced around. It's, it's to, to donate. It's to designate something. God has something beyond what you have, beyond what anyone else has. And when you kind of break this verse down, God has what? Mercy and love. And what does it respond to? It sees the death and destruction that we, brought, that we bring to this world. And how does he respond? By giving us grace. And what does that grace do? It brings us alive This death and life, we kind of see that in, you know, the story of Jesus. And he's referring to that again here. We brought death, but Jesus gives us life through what? Through grace. And why does God give us grace? Because he is what? Rich in mercy. Everything starts with mercy. The mercy of God. And if that's who God is, that's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is we're talking about who Jesus is. Jesus is the revelation of who God is. And one of the aspects of who God is is someone that is, not someone, something, something beyond that ha- that is mercy. Because what we'll see, what we're going to see here soon in a little bit, we, we, we mess up mercy. Bad. We don't get it. We don't get it. We, we, need, we need that. We need someone to show us what mercy is. But Jesus is mercy. So why did Jesus heal the lepers? Because mercy is in the nature of Jesus. Because it's in God's nature. Jesus heals out of compassion, out of mercy. And why does he reveal God's mercy? This is the next thing. If you're going if you're writing notes, this is the next thing today. G- mercy is Jesus's mission. Mercy is is Jesus's mission. How many of you guys would consider yourself like a weekend warrior? Like, you like tackling projects on the weekend? Like, yep, yep. Like, like Lowe's and Home Depot, that's like your Graceland. Am I, do I see Yep, yep. I see you. I see you. We were in, we were, this uh, back there in um, COVID, man, we were such, we were the most basic people in COVID. Like, we did all the projects, we got a dog, had a baby. Like, I mean, we were just like, I don't know, uh, it's, you know, what else, we're stuck at home, and, um, but I'm not like a big, I'm not like a big, I'm not like a big, uh, I don't, I just don't like building things, like, I'm not, I'm not talented at that, I, when I, when I started here, my, the very first thing Pastor Phil had me do was to build a wall, and um, he goes, well, you used to work construction, I was like, yeah, for a summer, and there's a reason why I'm not in it anymore, I'm not good at it, I'm not. And I love everyone who does. You're, I, you're, you're awesome. But we're in the, we're, we go to Lowe's this one time and we're, I cannot even remember what we were doing. We are building something. We were in the lumber department and this guy just is like, we're, we're having someone um, help us uh, cut something. And this guy just comes up and he's just like, two by fours. And the guy's like, that's helping us. Is like, well, it's, you're in the right place. We're in the lumber department. And he's like, where are the two, where, where are the two by fours? And he's like, uh, they're, they're right there, sir. Thank you. And he goes and he goes and he gets his two by four. And then we're walking out and the guy's like, I'm looking for a three quarter a three quarter inch uh, screwdriver, a uh, Phillips head. And the guy's like, it's, uh, it's right there. Thank you. He grabs it and he's going in there. He's like, Oh, star bit. And he goes back and he puts him back. He's like, Oh, Phil, you know, he was like, he was so focused. And it sounds like he's like, was like angry or mean, but I know what it was. He was just like, he was on a mission. He was super important. Some of you guys, that's how you guys, you go, go to Lowe's and Home Depot and you're like, my life will not be complete until we build this tile backsplash, until we build the raised flower bed out in our backyard. Like You're just like, you're focused. You know what you came to do. And I love it. I'm so, I'm proud of you. Um, I wish I was you sometimes. I, I'm, not, I'm not, that's not. That's not the kind of projects I like to do. But you're focused. You're on a mission. And when you're really, really focused, Like it's hard, it's hard to like not, it's hard to like not do what you want to do, right? Like when you you go to complete those projects, what happens when you don't complete that project that weekend or you run into the thing, like, oh, I don't have enough supplies or I don't have the tools I need. What do you do? You get mad probably, right? Ruins the whole weekend. Yeah, like you're just like, don't talk to me. Don't even talk to me until I go to Toulouse on on Sunday. First thing we do, kids like dad, I'm hungry after church. You're like, no, we're going to Home Depot you're gonna shut your mouth and <laughs> we're gonna get this done because I'm gonna finish it. I set my mind to it. That's what I'm gonna do. That's who Jesus is. <laughs> Except it's not, you know, building a tree house. It's, it's, it's to show mercy. That's Jesus. It's in Jesus's nature. It's not just his nature. It's his mission. It's what he came to do. If you were lucky enough to go to Sunday school when you were growing up, you probably remember this one, John 3, 16. Y'all say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his... That whosoever believes in him should not perish. Man, y'all said it was such fire and conviction. That was, uh, that was really good. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. We don't go on into verse 17. Have you noticed that? I love this because John says this For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. If you think Jesus was sent here to condemn and to bring another type of destruction, you have got it very wrong. God did not send Jesus to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. How How are they saved? Through grace. Where does grace come from? The mercy of God. It's in, it's in God. So it's in Jesus. And because it's in Jesus, it is his mission to bring that to the world. And it's one thing to like say, look, it's one, so we've, we've established it. It is part of Jesus' being. It's part of his mission. Now what, if we're trying to learn what mercy is what, is, what is the nature of the mercy that Jesus shows to us? You know, Jesus asks a lot of questions in the Bible. Um, it's like, 300 something questions i think that's right and he only answers like like directly answers like a handful of them but when it comes to this discussion there are 15 about 15 requests for mercy from jesus and every single one of them has to do with physical or spiritual healing physical or spiritual healing And sometimes in Jesus' own little rhetorical devices, he uses those opportunities to push back or ask another question or to reveal something else about the kingdom of God or about himself. But you know, every single request for mercy is met and answered. The lepers are healed, the woman with blood, the blood issue. The woman whose daughter is possessed, the the man whose daughter is dead, they ask for mercy. And mercy is what what Jesus gives them. Now, when we talk about mercy, if you're you're trying to look at the teachings of Jesus, Jesus talks about mercy in the context of forgiveness the majority of the time. That's That's how Jesus is talking about it. When Jesus is teaching on it, He's teaching on it from, the, from, the, from this concept of forgiveness of sins. And in fact, uh, Jesus, this gets brought up in a, in a parable. If, you're, if you were in my parables class a couple of weeks ago, um, this, we, we talked about this. It's a story in Matthew 18 of a master and a servant. And Jesus is using this as an example. The master in the story is God. The servant is, is kind of a representative of, of, of us. We're supposed to find ourselves within this, within, this, within this, story as as him, and it says the kingdom of heaven uh, may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, settle, one was brought to him who owed ten thousand talents. Just so you know why that's because you're like ten thousand talents. I don't I don't know what to what that is. Ten thousand in the in the, in the Greek world that was, that was the highest. That was the highest number, and the talent was the highest. Denomination. So Jesus said, the most amount of money that anyone could have, this dude owed to the king. That is quite that is, uh, quite a bill. That's quite a debt. 10,000 talents. He might as well have said, you owe me, like if someone said, hey, you owe me a million dollars, I would be like, why don't you just say a billion? Because you're not getting either, you know? Like I don't... <laughs> I don't have either. You'd say just a zillion. All right, I owe you a zillion dollars because you're not getting, get getting. That's essentially what Jesus is saying. It was almost, a, it was almost like a it was, a, it was a figure of speech if you're catching it. Jesus was using this figure of speech. This dude owed a quadrillion, billion, zillion, infinity dollars, something he could never get back. To, just, to, just to show com, like a comparison, the average day laborer, which is what this guy was supposed to be in this story, the average day laborer, they would earn around 6,000 talents in a span of about 15 years. That was a, that was that was the average, six thousand talents over fifteen years as a day laborer, and this dude owed ten thousand talents. He owed more than what he would ever make in his lifetime. Because if at that time, if you lived up to forty, you, you're lucky. So you're you're working. Remember normally you're working as a child, but you probably have this job by the time you're fifteen. So essentially, the your entire working life, you would earn. You wouldn't even. You would earn sixty percent of what he's talking about. And what does he say? He says, and since he could not pay his master, his master ordered him to be sold, his wife and children, all that he had for the payment to be made. He was gonna suffer, suffer the consequences. And so the, and so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him that debt. That word pity, your your translation might even say compassion. It's referring to, to just that, for to forgiveness. But not, just, but not so much forgiveness, it's actually describing the physical feeling of compassion. Do you ever um you ever like drive, you're on a road and you see an ambulance come by, or maybe even, or even better, you pass a wreck on the interstate or the or the highway, and you just go, oh God please, God, don't let anyone be hurt. Like, you know, you see it, like you see those cars like all smashed together and that, that's that sinking feeling. It's, it's, you know, abused a little bit on some of those, uh, those commercials, when we had commercials, like in the arms of the angels. And there's like a little doggy right there and you're like, oh gosh, that poor dog needs a home. If that's you, that's that sinking feeling of compassion. This master who represents God he is feeling this sinking sense of, like, just, oh my gosh, just the depths of sadness. I remember, our, uh, you know, back at the beginning of the year when, um, when Russia had invaded Ukraine, and you saw some of those, those early footages of people trying to get out of the, the country and everything. I just go, I was, it's almost that despair thing of, like, oh God, like, I can't, whew, I feel so bad for them. That feeling of compassion is what Jesus says. God has for us and our sins. He did not send the son to condemn the world, but to save it. To start with condemnation, you don't start with whoo, compassion. You start with, you owe me. But that is not, if Jesus is revealing who God is, if Jesus is revealing and telling us what mercy is, that is not where God starts with us. There's one other place that this, this, this is mentioned. It's in the story of the Good Samaritan. When the Good Samaritan passes the man on the side of the road, it says he had pity. It says he was physically moved with compassion for his plight. So while Jesus teaches about the forgiveness of sins, that's that's what he teaches about mercy. What he shows to us is no matter what situation these people are in, no matter what kind of life these people are living, He will meet them. He will meet them with mercy. You're sick, you are lame, mercy. You are in the depths of your sin, mercy. It's who God is. It's in his nature and it's who Jesus is. And it's not just who he is, it's what fuels him. Jesus sees the needs of humanity and he does something about it. We worship a God. We worship of God, of compassion, not condemnation. And if you are in here today and you're dealing with something, maybe you're dealing with a sin, a sin pattern that's bringing destruction within your own life. Maybe you're dealing with some stuff in your own own family. Maybe you're dealing with a, a financial stressor. Maybe you're dealing with a, a job situation that is just causing you all sorts of anxiety, that's putting all sorts of pressure on you, that's affecting all other aspects of your life. Maybe you're in here and you are dealing with a, a sickness. Maybe you're dealing with a serious sickness. Maybe you're dealing with a terminal sickness. Maybe you're dealing with consistent pain. And you're like, I don't know, does God care about this? Yes, because that's who God is. He cares about all of it. He cares about all of it. He doesn't see it and, like, well, you deserve it. That's not where he starts. He doesn't start with condemnation. He starts with compassion. Our God is moved, is moved and compelled to heal and restore what is broken within us physically, spiritually, mentally. He is there to restore and to heal. That's good news. That's good news. That's for you, that's for us. We're not in this alone. We're not, in the, we're not having to appease this angry God that's above us that's going to smite us every single time we mess up. In the depths of our sin, in the depths of our brokenness, there is a God that will meet us with love and compassion. Not because we've offered the right, right sacrifice, because it's who he is. That is who we serve. And you're looking at him and you're like, okay, well, what about the people who don't get healed? What about all the people that don't get healed? There's a fancy word for that. It's called theodicy. It's really, it's really why, why is there suffering in the world? Why is there suffering within the world? Let me tell you, this is Jesus' answer. Jesus' answer is that mercy becomes our mission. It is on us to show this world mercy. It's on us to be transformed and to give and to show mercy. But what the Bible tells us over and over again is that we don't always get it. We don't always get it. A couple of weeks ago, um, my daughter, uh, Eva, went to my wife and she said, um, I want to be an adult. And, uh, and Kira said, well, baby, why do you want to be an adult? She's like, y'all get to do whatever you want. Y'all just do whatever you want. Like adults, it's like, y'all, y'all do whatever you want. And Kira goes, sweetie, that's, that's not true. She goes, yes, it is. Y'all do whatever you want. Y'all get to make all the rules. You get to go wherever you want to go. You get to decide what we eat. You you, you do whatever you want. And she goes, Kira goes, you know who gets to do whatever they want, Eva? She goes, criminals. That's who gets to do whatever they want. Not adults. She's like, and so Kira, and Eva is such a a rule follower. She was just like, oh, my God, no, I don't want to be a criminal. I'm out. I'm out. She... And I get it. I remember remember that same impulse. Like, I cannot wait to be an adult. And now, you know, I'm looking back. I'm like, I wish I could be 10 again. That'd be, you know, that'd be nice. We get, we hear it, we see it, but we don't always get it. Do you remember the story of the lepers? I didn't finish it. In verse 15, it says, after they have been healed, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Wait, there were 10 here. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And Jesus goes, well, rise, go. Your faith has healed you. 10 were cleansed of leprosy, leprosy. You ever had leprosy? You probably have it. You know why? Because we've eradicated it, thank God, praise be to God. But you know what, at this time, they didn't have it. You, they were literally on death row and it was wiped clean and one returned. If I'm making this really personal, I'm gonna call these spectator Christians. We've been saved. We've received it. And we love the feeling of the faith. We love the knowledge of what we've learned. You show up to church, for sure, but nothing more. You accept it with no intention of doing anything further with it. Here's the problem with being a spectator. When you've received mercy, but you do nothing with it. The good things don't produce in your life. What is produced in your life is things like being hypercritical and judgmental and greedy and self-centered and self-righteous. That's a word for someone in here this morning. Listen closely. When you have received the mercy of God and you have no intention of doing anything further with it, nothing good is produced outside of that because you're not being led by the spirit, you're being led by your flesh. You say, thank God. Thank you, God. That's really great. I'll show up Sunday morning. Don't worry. I'll sing the songs that Pastor Charlie, you know, he leads us in. And um, yeah, good. Good to go. And then I'll go do whatever I want to do. And I'll be whoever I want to be. And I'm not going to do anything further. I'm not going to learn anymore. I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm just going to sit on the sideline and be a spectator. We have a lot of spectator Christians out there. And they and they're, have some really loud voices. And they are super critical of the church. But they have no intention of actually doing anything about spreading the good news of God. They have no intention of get showing the mercy that has been shown to them. In Matthew, there's this moment where these disciples, I'm sorry, the, these Pharisees go to these disciples and they ask them, they said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard it says, Jesus heard it. And he says, you don't send a healthy person to the doctor. You send a sick person. And then he says, go and learn what this means, which by the way is, it's funny. He's saying this to people who know the Bible and then he quotes the Bible to them. He says, go and learn what this means. He quotes Hosea 6, 6, 6. He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You've made all the sacrifices. You know all the things. You've done all the things. You're a professional Christian in all, not, well, not a Christian. You're a professional religious person in all, in all qualifications. But you don't actually do the thing which God has asked you to do. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. These are people who may be involved, in, but, but you're involved. You come to church. Maybe you even serve. Maybe you go to small group. Maybe you give. Maybe you pray. Maybe you read your Bible. You are involved, but you are not formed. You are not formed. The point of our faith, it's not check a box. It's not have a special little card to say, I'm a Christian. It's about taking on the the absolute being of Jesus Christ. It's to take it on, the, the being of who Jesus is. That's who you're called to be. You're more than a, you're not just a spectator. You're not just involved but when you, but when that's all you, when, that, when that's all you are, you think, well, I'm making the sacrifices, I'm doing the things, I'm giving up my Sunday morning, I'm giving up my Wednesday night, I'm giving up thirty minutes, you know, in the morning, I'm giving up, you know, my car ride to listen to worship music and to pray. I'm giving, I'm giving up some other opportunities so I can come and to serve. That's great, but that's not what God requires. He requires mercy, not sacrifice. Because if that's all you're going to do, you're a religious person. You're a Pharisee. Boy, that is a word for all of us. These aren't, by the way, these aren't just little individual pockets of people. This is the experience that we all can enter into. Because we will spend the rest of our lives seeking the formative power of the Holy Spirit to take us from where we are to where God wants us to be. And where does God want you to be? Merciful. In the Beatitudes, he says, "Blessed are the mercy, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy." I could have started there. I could have started. I thought about it. I could have started there. Here's the problem: I don't think we would get it. I don't think we can get it unless we build it up. We have to see where it comes from. It comes from the Father, and then it's expressed through the Son. And we see it because we receive it because we're the recipients of the mission of Jesus. And then we get to take on that same mantle, that same mission. That's who we get to be. So when Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Blessed are those that want to be like me, that want to show the world what I'm like because you will receive it in return. Blessed are the compassionate because they understand compassion. Blessed are those who pity because they understand what it means to be at the depth of your sin, the depths of your brokenness because you will be the ones that shows the world who I am. Who is Jesus? He is mercy. He is the revelation of mercy. He is the power for you to live this life through every single day, through every single moment, through every single circumstance. It is through the power of a merciful God That's who Jesus is. He is mercy. And we don't get it. We don't get it. Day in and day out, we choose not to get it. We see the brokenness in the world, and instead of, of, I mean, look, people can say what they want to say, like, oh, thoughts and prayers, who cares? And yeah, I get it. We should probably do more. But man, are you not just moved a little bit? Are you not just moved a little bit? Is this world so gone? we gone that we can't just feel a little bit of compassion, a little bit of movement in the direction of maybe we can bring some healing. Maybe we can't feel the world. Look, look, let me take that off your shoulder. You're not going to be able to save the world. That's God's job. But can you bring compassion into your family? Can you bring compassion to your workplace? Can you bring compassion to the random stranger you meet in Walmart? Can you bring compassion into your world? that is who we are called to be. That is the mission that should be placed in every single one of our hearts. And when we feel the opposite of that, when we're like, what is wrong with these people? Can you believe that they do this? I can't believe that they found... That is not the heart of God. Yes. Well, We're going to wrap it up here in just one second, but um, if you were ever, if you ever grew up in uh, like in a Catholic church or maybe an Anglican or Episcopalian church or even a Greek Orthodox church, there's, there's a part of the service that usually they quote something or say something. And um, the Orthodox church has done a really a job of, of propelling it and uh, showing us, it's, but it's called, it's called the Jesus prayer. In some churches, it's, you know, you, you say this part like, you know, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. And, um, it's one of the things that has become a really. You know, Pastor Tommy brought a necklace on stage, and I was like, you know what? I'll bring one too. Uh, <laughs> it's something that's become part of my own my own spiritual my own spiritual um, disciplines. Is saying is saying the Jesus prayer, and I, this is a this is an Orthodox uh, prayer necklace, and it has this has a hundred knots on it, including these three um, three beads, and so. Throughout the day, my goal, and I don't always meet it, is to say the Lord, to say the Jesus prayer a hundred times. And this is what this in its most basic form, and it can come in a couple of different ways. This is what it says. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I say it again, and I count I count the nine. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Hey, can we, uh, we're going to play some music and we're going to, let's just stand across this place as we start to wrap up service. Let's just stand up. Let's just have a moment together. I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know every single person that's here. I don't know every single person that's here. And even the people I do know, I don't always, I don't know, I don't know your stories. I don't know your full stories. Here's what I do know. You need the mercy of Jesus Christ in your life. You wouldn't be here if it weren't for the mercy of Jesus. It wouldn't. And some of you wouldn't be here if it weren't for the mercy and compassion of people. That includes me. God placed parents and mentors and pastors and friends in my life that showed me what the mercy of Jesus looks like. And it draws me closer every day. Every day. And some people will have a problem with saying, with saying, "Well, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner." And I'm like, "No, you need to remember who you are." Because when Jesus says, "I desire mercy, not sacrifice," he finished it up, and he said, "I did not come to save the righteous, but sinners." And here it is: what he didn't say, we're all sinners. That salvation is for everyone. Yes. That mercy is for everyone. That mercy. Is for you. It's for the person next to you. It's per- for the person that you despise. It's for the person, maybe that's within your life. Maybe it's someone in the news that you want to hate on. That mercy is for them. You are not called to bring condemnation to this world. You are called to bring mercy to this world. I'm going to teach, teach you this prayer before we wrap up. And if you are, if you're someone that has... Uh, uh, I mean, you, 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 need some, you need some prayer. There's some things going on. You need a little bit more. Our prayer team will be up here after service, so hang tight for that. But I just wanna teach you guys this Jesus prayer, okay? So wherever you are, let's just close our eyes. And if you wanna raise your hands, raise your hands. Let's just focus in on this moment. Let's just focus in on this moment. Repeat after me. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, the mercy of God is for you. And he showed it through us through his Son, and, re- and we get to sense it every day through the power of his Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to say the Lord's Prayer today. God, I pray for every person in here that you would move within them. Those who are broken with sin, those who are dealing with physical issues and mental issues and emotional issues and relational issues, God, we cry out mercy. We cry out mercy. You would show and reveal your mercy in their life. You would bring healing to their, their lives. And it may not be right now, but it may be through the, on the other side. And it may not be just from their prayers. It may come through a person. And God, I pray that you would begin to reveal the mercy and give everyone the inspiration to show compassion to their neighbor, to their family member, to their friends, to their coworkers. Let them see this world not through their own eyes, eyes of, of destruction, the, the nature of wrath, but through your nature, which is mercy. Be with us today. Let us embody what you embodied. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's say, let's say the, uh, the Lord's Prayer together this morning. I'll put that on the screen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's give God some praise this morning.